Okay, so this is the first official episode of my podcast, which I'm kind of excited for. And it's going to cover, well, my upbringing for the first half of my life. I think if this was a book, it'd be a very interesting read. But I guess since you guys get to listen to it, tell me how you feel about it. Let's start with, well, my birth. I know I was an unwanted child from a very young age. I've kind of known that. Because in India, the culture that my mom was married into was more along the lines of where women don't have a choice and say of what happens to them. They were bred and they were sold. And that's just what it kind of feels like. There's no back and forth. There's just, oh, that's my mom and that's my dad. But one day they're going to leave me because I'm going to be sold off for marriage. And that's exactly what ended up happening to her. She was sold off in a marriage to some other people that she never even met. And the way it was back then got to the point where if she asked for help, they would say, well, you got to stay there because we're not taking you back. And that's just how it was like for women back then. But my mom was beaten and abused and verbally assaulted daily and raped to the point where, well, I was conceived. And knowing that itself is a touchy thing, but... I guess that's just how life is. And in a culture where they didn't even want me in the first place, it kind of felt weird because if I would have been a girl, I would have been dead. I I would not have even had a chance to be alive, much less be able to live until, well, this moment of my life. And it was kind of weird because of the fact that, you know, this one little decision or this one little impact could have changed up everything. And, yeah, so I was a boy, luckily, and my mom was able to conceive me and, well, have me one day, but it wasn't that easy and it wasn't that simple because she knew in her heart as a mother, having that instinct given to her, that she could not have me in an environment like this where everything was horrible and, you know, no one was caring, no one was smart, no one was educated, and everything was breaking apart. And she knew she couldn't raise me, so she had to leave. And she ended up, you know, calling for help from my grandparents, and they would just answer and say, well, you get to stay because you're not coming home. And that, you know, if you do leave, no one will want you because you've kind of been deflowered as a woman. And well, there's nothing more left to you. Once you leave your marriage, there's no divorce because that's not how the culture works. That's not how any of this works. And that if you leave, you leave and you're gone. You have no family. But then she called her brothers who sacrificed what they had to come and save her out of that picture. And it was tough on them. And I could tell that for sure. And it was definitely tough on my mother too. But... You know, at that point, I was still a baby. 
next thing I know, I'm living in India with my mom and, well, as far as I can remember, it was just my mother. I'm pretty sure my grandparents were there at one point or another, but I'm pretty sure it was just me and my mom and, you know, it was pretty simple. It was, think about it now, it was a small apartment with one bedroom that me and my mom shared, and then there was a little living room, there was a kitchen, and it was packed up. You know, don't get me wrong, there's definitely more things to look forward to, but it was actually almost as big as the apartment that I have now. And, you know, it was pretty simple lifestyle. There was school that I go to, I come home from school, and then you study, go to sleep, wake up, and same lifestyle for a child. And not going to lie, I did have a few friends here and there, but it was never perfect. It was never the perfect that you would be able to see here in America, but it was good enough, I'd say. And my mom, who did her best. But yeah, it was kind of small. It was actually kind of weird because... The apartment that we lived in, it was not on the first story, but it was, I think, either the third or the fourth floor. And there were these stairs that were raggedy and old. And the only few memories I have of that place was, well, first being that every time I got home, this neighbor from across, you know, the across the building would throw me little candies to the stairs which I would catch and it would be like the highlight of my day because I'd come home, I'd rush home just to climb up, look at her and wave out to her and she would throw me one little piece of candy and you know, I would take that and I would just devour into it and just run up the stairs after I said thank you and just enjoy my life from there and it was kind of weird because she later on marries my uncle which is a big catastrophe coming but as a child I didn't know that <laughs> I just thought she was just a friendly person but yeah um I'd get home run up the stairs and see my mom give her a hug kiss her on the cheek and then we would eat what she actually made for me for lunch which was the same thing it was called Maggie noodles and it's like having ramen here except she would make that for me every single day by the way americans don't know what they're missing out on maggie noodles is actually one of the best things i've ever had in my life if you haven't tried one already go to the store and look it up it's gonna be an indian store look it up on amazon or something it is amazing but it's like a better version of ramen and my mom would cook it up every morning for me and send me to school with it in a little in a little lunchbox that I'd carry around. And, you know, every single day she hoped for the same thing. You know, I'd go there, I'd eat my food, and then I'd come home. And then, you know, I'd study and relax and then eat dinner and go to sleep. Instead, what I would do was go to school, not eat anything throughout school, and then come home just to share my share my breakfast or my lunch that my mom made for us or for me I would share with her because I don't know why but every time I looked at her you know eat from the same plate as me her face would always light up it was 
a little glow that only a mother would be able to recognize. And it was very nice, but we would share that meal together. And then I'd take a little nap. I'd wake up, I'd study, I'd try to finish up homework and go to sleep. And as a student, I was amazing back then. I was, you know, the star student. I had all A's, maybe a B, but never a C or a failing grade. It was all perfect. And then there was an incident, which is the second memory I can remember. And as I said, I did have friends in India, and it wasn't the best of friends. They weren't really the star friends. They weren't really the best company you'd want around your child because, well, let's be honest, they were, to be honest, a-holes. And I remember basically throwing rocks at dogs. And back in that time, we didn't have a thing called, you know, animal abuse in India. No one was taught that. No one was shown that, hey, this is how you're supposed to take care of an animal. There was nothing like that. And so we were throwing rocks towards a dog and turns out this dog was actually a mom who was trying to protect her little child so she sees these two little kids throwing rocks at a at her and her child and she runs after us my friend luckily he was able to run faster and climb more stairs so he got away but me on the other hand i didn't get off so lucky i got bit by a rabbit dog and then i had to go and get shots and it was honestly the worst things a child would ever want. Fast forward, though, you know, my mom was always there, you know, and she held my hand through it. And she made sure that her child was okay. And I guess that's what matters, because as long as your child is okay, there's no actual reason for you to worry, right? And that's what I kind of went with. But after that memory, everything kind of gets a little bit hazy of India because we then moved to Dubai to live with, well, let's be honest, my oldest uncle and aunt, and then my, I guess, the younger uncle and aunt. I'm just going to call them uncle one and aunt one, who were married, and then the other pair being uncle two and aunt two. And believe it or not, there's actually an Uncle Three who has yet to join the picture at this point. But as far as my family went, it was, you know, pretty weird. It was Uncle One, Uncle and Aunt One, I should say, with their two children. I'm going to call them A1 and A2 because I just don't want to give out names just yet. But, um, yeah, so, yeah, they both were named the same or they both were named with the same beginning letter of the alphabet. So A1, A2, A1 being older, of course. And then my uncle one or uncle two and aunt two who, well, they were kind of, you know, they weren't really the perfect couple either. No one in my family was a perfect couple. And uh, yeah, that was my family. Uncle one, aunt one had their own room. Uncle two, aunt two had their own room. And then let's see, A1, A2, both my cousins, they had their own room. And then there was my grandparents' room. And then there was a living room, a kitchen, and then the room that I shared with my mom, along with two other bathrooms. 
and that was kind of my, pretty much the whole house, which was pretty cool. Well, the whole apartment in Dubai. And as much as people like to say that Dubai is, you know, an all-expensive, all-luxurious, blah, 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 like the best place on earth, it truly wasn't. It wasn't really the best because at that time they had no recognition. It was mainly just a desert with a couple buildings that were drawn up pretty much. And, you know, living there with that kind of family, not going to lie, racism was pretty big at the time, especially because of well, the India-Pakistan war that was going on. And the big thing was India was Hindu, Pakistan was Muslim. And Hindus and Muslims, they never got okay with each other whatsoever. And so when I got my first friend whose name was Muhammad Ali, his name I could say because, well, there's a lot of people named the same name for that. It kind of upset my entire family all at once. And, you know, I definitely got a lot of the hatred for it. But more than me, it was my mom who got more hatred than me because of the fact that, well, I'm her offspring and I'm doing stuff like that. Well, I'm the unwanted offspring who was doing stuff like that. And my grandparents didn't really like my mom because she left her marriage. My uncles and aunts, I guess, thought of her as a burden. And they thought of me as a bigger burden. But my grandparents were actually happy that I existed. They actually loved me well enough, and it was nice. And on number two had no issues with me or my mom. She was always nice to me. She always was nice to my mother. And that's because on number one, you know, being married to the older son had all the issues. She, it was weird. Within my uncles, on number one, who's married to the oldest uncle in the family, he was the powerhouse of the entire place. It wasn't even my grandpa. It was him. He was, you know, my grandpa did work hard in his day, in his prime, and he did it to send all of his children to school to get an education in India. And then when they started a business in Dubai, they ended up, you know, bringing everyone to Dubai with them. And it was weird, but Uncle One, he had the powerhouse of the entire apartment. He had the powers of the whole family. Looking back at it now, it kind of scary because, you know, that much power for that many people, it's kind of a big decision and it's got a big shoes to fulfill. But he didn't do a bad job. And it was weird because on number one, being married to him, she had more power in the house than any other woman. So she kind of controlled the household, except for my grandma. Grandma was a different story, but she was scary. You know, she didn't like my mom being there. She didn't like me being there. She thought in her head, I guess at the time, she thought that we were, you know, leeching off of her husband and leeching off of the family. But that's not true. You see, my mom, she, you know, she got a job. She went to college. She got a job. She actually did her, you know, work pretty well. And... She worked for an airline company, I can't say which one, but she worked for an airline company in the Dubai Mall, which was 
an amazing place. And every time I go visit her, we would always, you know, me and one of her colleagues, we would always swing by the arcade area and we would have a full blast. And my mom would never mind him taking me. And it was weird because I always thought there was some kind of connection there. But then again, I was a child, so I never really looked into it. But he, he, he knew how to treat a kid right. You know, he ended up, he was like, go crazy. Here's a card. It's filled up with balances. Go and, you know, swipe here, play this game, swipe there, play that game, swipe here, play with the basketball, swipe here, kick the soccer ball. It was amazing. And it was, you know, best place ever for a kid, especially with someone who's able to afford all that stuff, especially for a child and just be like, hey, here you go. It was pretty cool. And um, yeah, I loved that time. But then you'd go home and, well, back to the same drama, you see. But it's okay. You know, my mom kind of protected me from a lot of the heat at home. And, you know, even though we have one of the smallest rooms in the whole apartment, she protected. She protected the best that she could. And I'm actually kind of proud of her for that. But the room that we stayed in was small, you know, it was pretty small. We had enough space for a twin-sized bed and a little, I guess, wardrobe. On that, we had a stand-up mirror um, that would just, you know, sit on the floor and stand up, I guess. And I believe the room was blue, like a light blue. And then there was a bathroom attached to it, but the way the bathroom was, was there was tiles all over the floor. There wasn't really an actual shower area because the whole thing was a shower. But there was a sink and a mirror on the wall and then a toilet on the side and then, well, the shower. It was pretty, you know, it was pretty easy to live in. It was kind of like a one-stop shop for everything, you know. And... It wasn't half bad. It was pretty nice. I just didn't realize how nice as a child. But I, as a child, didn't really realize how many nice things there were until I grew up. And I look back on those times, and I was actually pretty lucky to be in that kind of place. But, yeah, um, compared to my cousins, they had their own room, which was twice the size of the room that me and my mom shared compared to... You know, my uncles and aunts, it was way, way smaller. It was less than a third of their rooms. And, you know, that kind of envy as a child, you kind of pick up on fast. You kind of pick up on the not being wanted part. You kind of pick up on the envy and the jealousy of, well, why do my cousin brothers get this big place? Why do they get a father? Why do they get, you know, all the love and support from my entire family? And then there's me and my mom and I don't have a dad and, why don't I get the same amount of love that they do? Why don't I get the same big room that they get to use? Why don't, you know, all that. And the older I got, you know, things changed. My mom picked up the slack around the house. She picked up her side and my side. And then I, when I got, you know, to the ripe age of some years, I ended up moving in with my cousins. So I ended up taking my bed out and getting a new bed and, you know, being in that room while my mom had her bed and that became her room. And it was kind of weird because I remember there was like this little air vent that was sticking out the side of the wall that would let all the light in from the outside when my 
uncles and aunts and my grandparents and my mom was up and they would be in the living room talking or watching or eating dinner and stuff like that. And the light would just create this red, green, yellow, and blue lights inside my room, which was weird. And I just kind of look at them until I was finally able to drift off to sleep. A lot of the times, though, as a child, I ended up listening to things I shouldn't have. You know, and my cousins, they were always asleep. They were the fastest ones. They've always been able to sleep that way. It was nothing new to them. So they were just, boom, right in their bunk bed, off to sleep. For me, though, that kind of stuff, it was new. You know, be having my own bed for one, not having my mom right next to me, holding me, letting me know everything's going to be okay, or crying into my shoulder when she doesn't even realize that I'm still awake. I was up. And... You know, every single night I'd look up and I'd listen to the conversations and my, not going to lie, I'm not saying my family was filled with drunks, but my uncles and my grandpa, they would have a few drinks before they went to sleep every night. And yeah, so I'd listen to some pretty interesting conversations and it was always the same thing, you know, they drink, they get food first and then after they're done eating, they keep watching TV while the wives would go eat in the kitchen or sit on the dining table by themselves and eat while the men sit in the living room. And then when they were done eating, they would pick everything up. Then TV would turn off. Everyone goes into their room, falls asleep. No one was up after about 1130-ish, 1230. Next day, we all wake up. You know, it's the same busy schedule. Uncles wake up, they both go to work, you know, and they were they worked in the family business for textiles and stuff for fabrics. And so they'd go open up shop with the grandpa. Then my parents, well, my aunts and my mom would stay here at home, you know, and my grandma would be at home. They'd get all of us ready, up, running, showered up, getting ready for school, packs packed, you know, lunches prepared, and off we go down to the bus stop go together in the bus for about 30 minutes then boom we're at school now while that happened instead of being able to help my aunts look after the house you know being her womanly job my mom went to go to work to earn a living so that she could provide for well me and my side of the keep while also providing for her side of the keep So that's exactly what would happen. You know, she'd go to work, come home, and then once she got home, you know, we would have to deal with all the other cleaning and everything else. And, well, it was kind of a burden on her, and I could tell it was. You know, I can't really lie about it. It was always going to be a burden. But, you know, she never showed me that side. She was always... You know, the happy mom, the proud mom, hey, don't look at me crying. I'm okay. Everything's okay. But secretly, I could tell. And everything was normal from then on, you know. So that just became the routine. I stay up until about 11 o'clock every night, wake up late because I've been up until 11, 11.30. And now I'm waking up. I'm all tired, all grumpy, backs packed. Straight down we go, go to school, come back, homework yada 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 tutoring and go back home sleep wake up the next morning same thing over and over and over and then i finally made a friend and he went to the same school as us and that's when the whole racism thing came into play his name was muhammad ali not like the boxer but like as in the quran you know 
Islam, the religion, Muhammad Ali. And given the name, he was Muslim. And my parents being Hindu, they didn't really like that. And don't get me wrong, Ali was amazingly great. You know, he was a perfect friend. His family was respectful, religious, but respectful. And they didn't hate, they just loved. And it was the same with him. You know, they had the right morals in him. Same thing, no hate, just love. It was always nice. It was always amazing to see that in them. And, you know, some of that he did pass on to me, weirdly, as friends. But... He was the kind of friend that you would call a brother. He was the kind of friend that would show you that blood isn't all you need to be family. Sometimes it's the love and the care that you get from others that makes you family. And that's what he was to me. He was family. So I treated him as such. And, you know, through time and time again, after being scolded over and over, Naveen, you can't have him over. He's Muslim. Naveen, think of all the evil things he's going to show you. Naveen, they're going to kill you. Yada, yada, yada. It didn't matter to me because he treated me like a family member would. He treated me like a real brother would. And that kind of connected with him because as a child who's never had a real brother, that's what I yearned for. And I finally found that with him. And it was amazing. But, you know, as all things come down to it, me and Ali, we did fight. And one of the biggest fights that we had was... When we were super young, we just got off the bus, and I don't even know what upset us till this day. He doesn't even even remember this part, but we were mad at each other. We were yelling. We were arguing back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Next thing you know, we're in the parking lot of his garage for his building, and you know we're just back and forth, keep going down there. And next thing you know, we're holding each other in chokehold that we both pass out from. And as kids, we were, you know, we were not to be messed with. And everyone in school knew that, that like, hey, these guys, they're crazy. Like, they will fight you and they will make you bleed. And it was crazy. And that's just how we were. You know, we were the best of friends after that because we both got up that day after, you know, almost dying after choking each other out. We told each other we were sorry. We hugged each other goodbye. I went home. He went home. And that was that. And we were always best friends since. And, you know, luckily my family did come around that and they didn't mind him being Muslim anymore. It was more along the lines of, okay, at least I'm happy he's with a respectful person. He has friends that like him and that care for him. And that's all that they cared about. But, you know, and he was not just a friend to me. He was a friend to my cousins just as much as me. And, you know, we all care for him. He was amazing. And that's when I kind of realized, you know, like, here's family. I don't have all these things, but at least I have a brother that I can count on now. But then that's when things got tougher. Now, a kid like me, who's never really had his own language, because my mother tongue was always Hindi, but even in India, that was, you know, easy to come with because that was the only language I was learning. Now you're in Dubai, and you not only have to learn Hindi, you also have to learn English and Arabic, which are the two major languages now that you need to memorize, and you need to remember, you need to focus on. That's what you got to do. That messes everything that you've been working so hard towards up, because now that's the new language. So piling that much on on a kid, it, it messes his system up, you know, and for my cousins, they were easy to build up with that because that's what they've been doing since day one with school. That's what they've been learning all three languages at once. 
for a person like me, I have only knowledge of one. So the one language that I was strongest at, I became the weakest at to try and compensate for the other two. And even those two, I was horribly weak. And, you know, my mom, she struggled to teach me with that every single day. But luckily, you know, whatever higher power you believe in, and even if you don't believe in one, something extraordinary happened. My aunt, one of my aunts, aunt number two, she was, well, a teacher, and she knew English. So she taught me English, and it was pretty cool. So, yeah, she taught me English, and I kind of learned my English from her, and it was kind of weird, but it was kind of helpful at the same time, you know? She taught me grammar, vocabulary, spelling, A to Z. You tell, you know, you name it, she helped me out with it. My mom helped me out with the English part, and then they got me a tutor to help me out with the Arabic. All three things combined, it was going good for a minute. Until it wasn't. Because every single second I got now, I'm stuck studying for the exact same thing. But, yeah. For right now, unfortunately, this is where I have to leave it at. And we will continue the studies on episode number two. I really do thank you guys for tuning in. This has actually been helping me a lot. And... I think this is the perfect outlet that I've needed to share my story and for someone else to get an insight on what a life in someone else's shoes might be like. And each episode of mine, I'm going to try to keep it short, 30 minutes each, so it doesn't take up too much of your day. But, well, hope you guys tune in and hope you guys like what I put out. Till the next time. Thank you.